0: owned properties that had been rented forever in California or wherever. They made no money on them. They made all of this gain. Prices went up. They didn't want to invest out of state because it was going to be horrible. And they've actually had not the greatest experience. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast.
1: Your high octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron
0: Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Heather and I, back.
1: Yes. So good to be back. I um, was telling Ron that I have so many ideas right now of what to talk about. Sometimes on this podcast, it uh, feels a little heavy trying to come up with what you all want to hear. So please keep ideas coming to us. Invest at rpcinvest.com. Email us. And give us what you want to hear or if there's a topic we discuss that you want a deeper dive or clarification on we do some q a episodes sometimes too so if you have a short question that maybe doesn't warrant a podcast but would be good to have us cover please let us know so
0: we could do do a lightning round coming up depending on what we get from you guys it's Um,
1: actually really fun i like the lightning rounds
0: go ahead well heather and i are in different states so yeah. to lead into what the topic that we're talking about today, we're starting to get questions about different states, investing in different states, investing across the country. And you know that generally comes up because someone went to some seminar or some blog Never somewhere some and they said, you go to yeah. buy in your backyard or you're going to get killed.
1: Yes. Or self-managing. I've had that pop up in the last week. It's really interesting how I haven't seen those questions in a couple of years. Like, oh, I'm nervous to remotely i'm like whoa that's i thought we were over that
0: <laughs> so okay. have you not heard anything we've said i know for the past well, like how many years 17 years have you I not heard like anything we have said for 17 years here like
1: in the country though it feels like that is more normal i don't know i haven't whereas before i felt like we were the it was constant yes it was yeah, constant it was every conversation was like oh i don't know i want to buy in my backyard so i think Uh, The client that was self-managing this week, I said, well, if that works for you, but if you're wanting this to be more passive, and that usually is something that's eye-opening for people, even the buying in your own backyard, that Mm -hmm. if you're wanting to be more active in your investment strategy and being more hands-on and going and doing the tenant turn yourself and doing the cleaning and all those things, good for you.
0: (laughs) Actually, not not good for you, actually. (laughs) Yeah,
1: true. Not
0: do good you, I you. mean, really, do you have nothing better to do than go clean a house? Yeah, it's true. I'm just trying to downgrade the fact that the house needs to be cleaned, but do you have nothing better to do? Mm-hmm. Because there are people who literally have companies that they've built to do that job. Yeah, Literally, they, that's, that's their whole company's job is to do that job.
1: And they're now, fast.
0: Yeah. I, I don't personally have a company, but if I had a cleaning company, and I could professionally clean your house really, really quick, and you didn't have to go there. I'm not sure why you wouldn't use my cleaning company.
1: Yeah, I think it's a deeper that's... conversation of like, what would you do with that time? How could you better yourself, or how could you spend the energies elsewhere such that you could propel yourself to reach your goals faster?
0: I think there's another piece to this, too, Heather. I think that's all true. I think some people don't even really know what having a good time is anymore because they've been working for so many years. I know that because I was one of them, but <laughs> there's a deeper thing here too. Cause there's, there are some people who just cannot give up control. They must control the process because no one can clean the house better than them. That may be true. Actually, that actually may be true because some OCD people literally clean better than other people. Good point. I know them. Yeah. I go into a lot of different people's houses. People's level of what they feel is clean is entirely different. It spans the spectrum. I get it. But does your rental property need to be like completely spit shined yeah. by you? Mm, probably not. Probably not. It needs to be clean and ready to show. That's what it needs to be. Yeah. And generally there are professional people out there who can make that happen. So there's two problems here, uh, Heather. One well, both of them actually are a little bit deeper than most people, I think, like to admit.
1: Or even like to think about.
0: I mean, I have some friends who run businesses and they have some control problems.
1: And not they literally them. cannot
0: let their team do anything without them stepping in and micromanaging everything. And we've talked about what that does to people on this show before, but in case you missed it, it literally takes all of their desire to do this themselves and it just shucks it right out of them Mm -hmm. and and they will not grow because of it.
1: And on top of it, you as a business owner is suffering because of it. So
0: (laughs) yeah, because you can't grow.
1: Nobody wins.
0: There's only one one of you. And if you think that you can do everything better than everybody else, well, then you're not going to be able to grow because you Mm -hmm. can't grow past what your capacity is and as awesome as you feel like you are, you are not that awesome. So you literally can't grow past your capacity. And it's the same thing in the rental business. You are going to reach a point where you can no longer physically go and clean the houses. So why not just start out not doing it?
1: And another piece too is that there's the cleaning business that grows because of it. Then you're in the more mi- mindset of everybody wins the abundance mindset versus trying to think of every little, which way you can save your pennies. So I think that piece of owning remotely is so wonderful to be removed enough from it that that's not an option for, so I, I do have a little bit of a, I can do it better type of personality. And
0: I just like to point out that Heather generally can do it better. He's one of the anomalies <laughs> where. Actually, that might be true.
1: (laughs) However, I love that it's distant enough. Those issues can't come into play. I can't drive by and just do it myself or introduce myself to my tenants that there is a separation is actually really good for me.
0: Yeah. Because she probably could do it better. She likely would if it was right there. Yep. (laughs) And Heather, we've had this conversation a lot that it doesn't really serve anybody very well for someone to jump in and do it for them. Like mm-hmm. they never learn they never grow. And then you can't learn and grow into something else either or into something yeah. more. So if you're looking to grow a portfolio, you're literally sabotaging yourself by trying to do everything yourself. Oh and it, in gosh. addition, if you just go buy properties that work, then you don't have to do it. I think I find a lot of these people, they do it out of necessity, Heather, because they good point. C- their properties don't cash flow.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I would add another layer to this conversation in Uh-oh. that when you own a property and you start micromanaging your property manager in, in a way that undermines them and then they don't really like working for you. I mean, there is that dynamic mm-hmm. that I've seen building with a couple of um, situations right now. And so sometimes it's that you need to fire your property manager. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes mm-hmm. you need to get a new relationship there, but also not trusting that they're doing their job. So I'll give a short example, is I closed on a triplex in December and I closed knowing it wasn't ready yet because I needed the tax write-off. Mm-hmm. So it was a full maybe 30 days before it was rent ready. And I reached out to the property manager and I said, hey, did you get the keys? Like just making sure the loop was closed, that you know she's ready to market the property. She said, no, I don't have them yet, but I expect I'll get them next week. I reached out next week. Hey, did you get the keys, right? Doing my part to make sure my property was under management. And then within a week, I didn't reach out back again. She had said she got the keys and that she was going to start managing and marketing the units. And there were three units. And this is early February. (laughs) And I didn't reach out again for maybe less than a week, actually. And she said, okay. three units are placed i mean tenants are placed in all three units and i need a management agreement heather you haven't signed it and i was like oh crap right so she knew her stuff she did her job i did my part in saying hey just making sure that the seller gave you the keys like just making sure that my piece is closed and then i didn't even really worry about the rentability. And I didn't even have time to worry because she got her stuff done and all three units are are rented. So, and within the rent range, early February, it was amazing. But trusting your property manager that this is their expertise, this is what they do every day. Following up is fine, but losing, making your job become, I've got to do this and make sure my property manager's doing all the steps, right, where are you marketing the property? I've seen that a lot lately. I have looked online, I don't see your listings and all those things. Like <laughs> just not distrusting just your property manager, I guess, to do their job.
0: Yeah. And so this goes back to our original point, right? If you, we typically get this question when a group of people have been taught, usually through a blog or some kind of a, I don't know, whatever, some kind of a medium that they've got to do this in their backyard or it's going to be horrible. Mm -hmm. And my experience has not been that way. And the majority of our clients' experience has not been that way. And I just, if you live in a market where your backyard is conducive to rental properties, well, go ahead and buy in your backyard. No problem with that. Still get a management company. Mm -hmm. Still let them hire a cleaning service. I mean, don't go do it yourself. No problem in buying in your backyard. But most of the people who are talking to us can't buy in their backyard. Because the numbers don't work like we were just talking about on the last episode. You can't force numbers to work if you live in California or Utah or anywhere else basically on the West Coast or most of the places on the East Coast and a lot of places in the South that are growing like crazy. You, You can't force numbers to work when they don't work. And so that's why people go outside of their state. So live where you want to, invest where it makes sense. It doesn't make any sense in your backyard. Why would you invest there? Yes, I don't care if you can go knock on the door and inspect the unit yourself or not. It doesn't make any sense. And if you can't afford to pay a a property manager because you've bought in an area, numbers don't make any sense. Shame on you. Just let's fix the problem. Sell the property. And right now you can sell the property, make a whole bunch of money. Preach.
1: I love it. I met a client in Salt Lake here, maybe four or five years ago and he had a property in salt lake and he sat across the table from me in person which doesn't happen very often and just said i want to go by i want to go by and and be able to check on my properties and i said okay when is the last time you went by your property and i'll never forget he looked he looked at me and was like oh yeah i don't think i've been by for like a year i said exactly even if it's local i mean you could drive by and look at the yard but Property I mean, manager. Do? Do Ooh,
0: yep. I own that property. <laughs> I mean
1: I know. And don't get me wrong, when I drove across the country in 2020, I saw my properties for the first time. Like I hadn't seen any of them. I saw, I think, two or three, and it was a great feeling. I loved it. It was so fun to say, wow, that's so cool. Cause I hadn't seen it with my own eyeballs. But that's all I I didn't even need that number yeah. one.
0: Then you were over it.
1: Yeah. And then I was like, okay, I uh, saw it. That was cool.
0: <laughs> I mean, I've tell people all the time, like, your property doesn't need a hug. No. You don't need to go physically hug your property. You just need it. Think about it this way. Some of you have really large stock accounts. I know you do, because you tell us how much money's in your trading accounts. You guys have got six figures, seven figures in trading accounts. Do you only invest in companies that are down the street? You can go knock on the door and see the uh, CEO. (laughs) I mean, sometimes I get a little confused about the logic that is placed in this because you don't do that with your stocks and they're far more volatile than the real estate market. I mean, your tenant could literally trash your property and guess what? You still own it and you can still fix it. You can have people fix it. If a CEO trashes the company that you own a very tiny share in, what can you do about it? Nothing. You can sell for a loss or you can hold on and ride it out and hope the guy or the gal figures it out, right? Yep. What else can you do about it? So I don't know.
1: Just that put it in great. perspective. That's a great, great idea. Cause that's you don't ever have to do that. And you are that's that's what passive passive is. So there are a couple of key fundamentals in owning remotely that I think we should talk about. Number one, great location. You want to make sure you're buying in locations that cash flow. We already talked about that. You want to make sure low vacancy rate, right? The place is going to stay rented. You need to have a team in place to help you be successful. And that includes definitely first and foremost, your property manager, making sure that they're looking after the property. Ron and I are both doing second homes right now in Florida with the podcast we did in January. And they told me I couldn't hire a property manager if I had a second home in Florida. And I said, are you insane? I said, I'm definitely hiring a property manager, even if it's exclusively my second home so someone can look after the property. So,
0: Yep. I think the only caveat to this, I learned this past, uh, what, week, two weeks? I can't even remember now. I've been flying so much recently. (laughs) But I was in a mastermind, and and Robert Allen was telling his story about how he lost everything. Yeah. Apparently, avalanche. You have to be careful of avalanches. Oh, yeah. That was crazy. They're apparently not covered under insurance. I do not know know that. I've never heard this before. Yeah. But people ask us about, like, tornadoes and hurricanes and earthquakes. You can get insurance for all of those things. But apparently... If your house gets wiped out by an avalanche, that's a big deal. So, if you're getting a mountain chalet for your rental property, you might just check into avalanche insurance if you're at the base of the mountain or on the side of the mountain. Cause his property was in Sundance out in Utah. And it was, I saw pictures of it was pretty amazing, really. And avalanche came down and took it out, like just gone off the mountain,
1: gone. Oh my word.
0: And he lost, it's not really funny. It was a sad story. Actually, he lost a lot of money and he still had debt on the property. So he lost the house, Uh, no insurance. And he had uh, to, you know, he had to dig his, his way back out of that. (laughs) So really rough. And he lived there. So it was in his backyard. Wouldn't that be like
1: flooding, but like with solid water. (laughs)
0: That's I, don't think insane. That's, I don't think that's the way it works, <laughs> but I never heard of that before. And I lived in Utah. Heather, you live in Utah. Yeah.
1: I, never heard I of it. That.
0: I didn't know that. I guess an avalanche couldn't have taken out any of our houses, but because uh, they, they weren't on the side of a mountain. But anyway, my point is everywhere that you buy, you just need to make sure that you fund, follow the fundamentals like Heather was saying. And if the property, if the numbers work and we have you know, a solid property management company, then you don't really have to do much. Yeah, I mean, it is quote active. It's not really passive. It's active. You actually have to actively tell your property manager to go do things for you, but you don't have to do them. And it's a brilliant thing. I don't, I guess I'll end with this, Heather, unless you have something else.
1: No, I was just going to say that when I say passive versus active, I'm thinking you're actively managing, going over there, doing the repairs yourself. No swinging hammers. Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead.
0: (laughs) I was just going to make my 12 step joke. that, that, you know, if you really do have a problem with this, that there is a 12 step program for you. We can help you get out of your own way. All you Mm -hmm. need to do is just reach out and we can help you. Don't suffer alone and suffer in silence. We we got you over here. Everybody wants to self-manage. We can help you out. (laughs) First step is admitting that you have a problem. (laughs) And if you didn't know it already, you do, you do have a problem. If you need and us to tell you, we'll tell you.
1: And open your mind that it could be even better. I mean, it could be so much better than you owning in your own backyard. That, I, yeah.
0: How many people have we known Heather that owned properties that had been rented forever in California or wherever they're making mm-hmm. no money on them. they made all mm-hmm. of this gain mm-hmm. prices went up and they didn't want to invest out of state because it was going to be horrible. And they've actually had not the greatest experience. Yeah, and they still made a buttload more money than they made in California, even with the properties not even performing as well as their quote, you know, California easy properties that they had. Still, they roped it out out of state. Very true. I'm just telling you. We won't hear from them. Don't go magically. Yeah, Yeah. it still works.
1: Yep. Then they'll come back and say so i need to 1031 exchange i have equity let's do it again like Mm -hmm. double down let's do it again
0: Mm -hmm. so yeah i forgot about this other house i owned in california i'd like to do with that one too (laughs) yeah yeah. that's true everybody moves out of the state and i lose all my money so don't be an impediment to yourself and to your success there are good deals out there if they're in your backyard buy them if they're not in your backyard buy them live where you want invest where it makes sense and as always, Heather. Till next time. Get out there and make something make happen. It
1: happen. I love it. Thanks everyone. This has been the Get Real podcast.
0: To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.